the book of Luke 24. <clears throat> title of my sermon is Knock, Knock, Who's There? Emmaus. We're going to travel down the Emmaus Road here today. Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. 20 verses, so stay here with me. Then we're going to jump to Matthew 27 at the end of the sermon in a couple hours. No, you know you're the 9 o'clock. I could say it to the 11 o'clock, they get scared. But not to you guys. Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. And I've got my big old Bible here because this has four different translations. And I want to go King James here. Do you have it? Luke 24, 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called what? Emmaus. That's the title of my service. Excuse me, of my sermon. Knock, knock. Who's there? Emmaus. Which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs, which is seven miles. And they talked together of all things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? What planet are you from? Mm, I'm not of this world, but he didn't tell him that yet, huh? And has not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted or we, we thought, we, we believed that he had been the one which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since those things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh into the village, whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, stay here. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. Father, I pray that we would leave here as these people left Emmaus on fire for you. That is my prayer, Jesus. That's why I have put together this simple, simple sermon that it would put us on fire, that we would fulfill the call that you have for this church. 
And even asked for visitors, Lord God, and there was very few here this morning. There were probably more than 11. So this is family. These are people, disciples like those two that were at the Mayor's Road. Do to us as you did to them. I ask this from the bottom of my heart in Jesus' name. And everybody together said, Amen. Greet one another one more time with the love of the Lord prior to your being seated. Welcome to the Easter service. Picnic time right after this, right? Oh, yes, Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> do Christians know how to eat? Are there mustaches in Mexico? Hallelujah. Uh, are there women in the girls' home? Yes, Jesus. Uh, praise the Lord. And again, we want to wish each and every one of you a happy Easter. And, but this is quite an occasion. I mean, when, you know, the power of God is in our midst. When we celebrate. And that's why, you know, the Sabbath, the Jews would celebrate uh, on the Sabbath day. When we have, as Christians, we've done it now, and it's been a tradition now for a number of years, on the day Jesus resurrected, which was the first day of the week, Sunday. Okay, that's why we have church on Sunday. You go down Gadding Road and you'll see the Seventh-day Adventists. They still do it on the Sabbath. God bless them. Hallelujah. See them in heaven. Hope. Uh, but uh, we do this on, on a Sunday. Now here, this portion of Scripture, we encounter two of Christ's disciples. They're, they're just coming from a funeral. Okay? Three days ago, two and a half days ago, they were at a funeral. And now they decide to go home to Emmaus. Now, Usually, it's great to go home, by and large, okay? Hopes and anticipations always run high when you're going home. Who am I going to see? What's going to happen? I'm going to go to Santa Paula. When I'm going to go to Santa Paula, by and large, that's my wife. I get up early. I mean, like, oh, I'm going to Santa Paula. Uh, see, when you're going to go home, by and large, back to your hometown, your anticipations and your hopes are running real high. Uh, but such was not the case here today. Okay, not, 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 not with these disciples, okay? See, there are certain times and under certain circumstances when you're, the road home is not so joyous because they've just come from a funeral uh, with these two disciples. They're walking away from the cemetery and that is never an appealing time. Usually I, I, I love going to my hometown, but the last few times I've, I've gone there, I've had to go for funerals. Uh, my dad then my nephew, now my, one of my best friends. So sometimes we don't always relish going back to our hometowns. And that's the way it was here with these guys. They were walking slow. It was a slow strut. When I'm going to go back to Santa Paula and I'm going to preach or something, I mean, I'm, I'm going 90, but don't tell the CHP. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get there. But when you're going to go for a few, you know, you don't go as fast. Uh, you don't, you, you, that's the way these guys were, okay? The Remeus Road... To them was wet, but not with rain, but with tears. And the book of Romans says, no man lives, nor does he die unto himself. In other words, what Romans is saying there is that your life affects my life and everybody else's life. No man lives and dies unto himself. Your life affects everybody. But it also means your death affects everybody. No man dies unto himself. When, a little bit of, when, some, when you die, a little bit of me dies. It affects everybody especially those that are close to you, okay? And on that first Easter, these two disciples were saddened and they were affected by the death of their leader. The one, the Bible says there, that they had put their hopes on to be the redeemer of Israel. They had hoped he was going to be the Messiah. Thus, 
It might have been springtime and Easter, but in their hearts, it was wintertime. Are you with me? They were saddened. Yes, it was springtime, but they were saddened in their hearts. Their leader. I remember when certain people have died. It, it affects my life. I remember years ago, some of you remember Herman Navarro. When he, when he died, it, it affected me. It still affects me. I don't know why, but Herman was such a kind of a guy that just grabbed you, you know? Uh, my little nephew, I still haven't even cried really for my little nephew. That guy was too much. Uh, and I hardly knew him that well. Uh, but, but I can imagine when your leader dies, uh, when the, the one that you thought was the Messiah, that's really got to affect these people. That's the way they were walking, the seven miles. Uh, they had just come from the funeral of funerals, if you will. So it was a low and slow strut. Bible says that as they walked, they talked. And much talk seems to be words of reminiscing. Much of their talk seems to be words of, of remembering. Uh, remember how he, they would say. Uh, Luke 24, 21 says, they had hoped that he would come and redeem and vindicate all of Israel. In other words, they had put their hopes on him. They probably talked a lot about all the miracles that he had done. Remember when he did this? Remember when he did that? Remember when he raised Lazarus? Remember how about Jairus' daughter? Remember the, when he turned water into wine? The first miracle, I was there. Ah, uh, that one usually left Victor like that one. Ah, uh, the first miracle. So as they talk, uh, they walk in a daze almost. That's what's happening. When suddenly, the Bible says, they're joined by a stranger. Unrecognizable. And Jesus, he sure has a way of showing up right after any and all funerals, doesn't he? He has a way of doing that. He has a way of showing up in and after funerals. But mainly and primarily, only to those who are open to him as these two were. That's the key. This morning, you got to be open to him. Uh, they were open to the things of God. That's why Jesus shows up. See, these two were already aware that a number of women, and also that Peter and John, had been to an empty tomb, yet they did not believe. Like perhaps some of you here today. They, were, they knew that Jesus had already, something was wrong. The, the disciples had been there, two of them and the women, and there was an empty tomb. But yet their belief was not where it had to be. To them, only the fact of Jesus' death was getting the better end of their lives. The resurrection meant nothing to them yet. Okay, not yet. Their minds were still in the tomb. See, doubt is such a dream killer. Doubt is such a vision quencher. Doubt. But again, don't get all upset when you doubt because when you doubt, you're in good company. The Bible says in Matthew 11, John the Baptist, the greatest ever born of woman, was a doubter. He doubted. Uh, don't think you're always going to be super, super faith man. Able to, able to leap tall doubts with a single bound. Uh, no, but what have I told you before? Always keep your faith level above your doubt level or your fear level. Uh, try and keep it like that. Some of you are like, <laughs> uh, give, give it over here. Uh, so doubt is such a dream killer. See, doubt has the eyes of a bat. Can't say nothing hardly. And still, to these two bat-eyed individuals, slow strutting disciples, Jesus came. Stay with me now. Even in their doubts, strutting real slow, bat-doubting individuals, still Jesus came to them. Why? 
Well, because on the inside, they still yearned for him. They still longed for him. They were open. That's why he came. Remember Thomas says, unless I see the nail prints in his hand. Now, some people say, what a doubter. No, he wasn't doubting. It seems like he was doubting. But he really left the door open. Because it says, if I see the nail prints in his hands, then I'll believe. That's okay, Jesus, no problem. Matter of fact, later on, he comes right up, he goes right up to Thomas and goes, hey, hey, homie, give me five. <laughs> Somebody been praying over here, huh? Give me five. Check it out, homie. Ha! See my nail prints? See, unless, it doesn't matter. They were open. All you got to do is just have a crack open. The love of God, the power of God is like, I've said before, it's like rain on a rooftop. It's going to find the opening. I know. Because uh, we own this church and it's got some openings. Uh, aye, aye, aye. Even after we roofed it. Uh, see, to people like these, Jesus always shows himself to them. Always. He'll always show up to people that are open. Always. To these, he will reveal his secrets as we've been studying on Wednesdays. By the way, this Wednesday, my wife's speaking. Hallelujah. Uh, and then Thursday, we're having another leaders meeting as far as going over the book. Uh, remember that book? So you're all welcome to come on out Thursday. I'm going to be teaching out of that book. Uh, the leaders is like mandatory, but the rest of the church, you can come. I just thought I'd throw that in for change. Uh, meanwhile, back at the ranch. Hallelujah. So Jesus asks, what are you two talking about? But he already knew. Uh, but see, he knew what he was doing. Faith must be confessed uh, with the mouth. Not only believed with the heart. That's what the Bible says in Romans 10, 9. So he, he knew what he, see, he wanted to say, he wanted to touch them. So he asked them, hey, what are you guys talking about? He wanted them to say it with their lips. Not only believe in their open heart. He knew what he was doing. So one of the disciples, Cleopas, tells him, why haven't you heard? What galaxy are you from? All these things that have been happening, man. Don't you watch CNN? Everybody knows. Man, they, I mean, this was bigger than the OJ trial. Everybody was checking it out. Ah, oh, midnight or an inquiry, all that stuff. It made the pages and everything. Where you been? Ah, oh, wow. But now, uh, he's buried, they say. Now he's gone. It's over. Better a live cat than a dead lion of the tribe of Judah. Better a live cat than a dead Messiah. That's what they're saying. Uh, I mean, he's dead. He's gone. It's over. I'd rather have a, a, a life cat is better than, than, than a dead Messiah. What's the use? But then here's where Jesus begins to teach these two disciples all about the scriptures the Bible says concerning himself. What a privileged class. It's sort of like a Victor R.H. Hayward Vossum class where there's only a few in attendance. There's two. Hallelujah. I thought I'd throw it in for you, Lenny. Hallelujah. Uh, there was only two in the class. What a privileged, privileged class. Uh, see, Jesus probably took them to Genesis 3.15. I'm going to crush uh, with my heel uh, the head. Probably took them there to Genesis 3.15. He probably took them to Psalms 22. Uh, Thou will not allow thy loved one to rot in the grave. Probably to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 9, Isaiah 11, all these, all these scriptures are talked and attested to the fact that one day he was going to rise. 
all about the Messiah. There's all kinds of scripture in the Old Testament talking about Jesus. Uh, so he probably took him there. Then he might have even told him how he must needs not only go through Samaria, but through Calvary. Probably told him that too. The guy will go to Calvary. I must needs suffer uh, and then resurrect. We've talked before how the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, if the devil had known, he would have never crucified our Lord. But he played right into God's hands. That's the way the enemy is. He, he thinks he's real smart. Uh, but he crucified. He said, there I got him. Yeah, he got you, bro. He played right into his hands. He was supposed to suffer. He didn't quite understand the suffering Messiah. You thought you had him. Uh, he might have even told him about Hades, how he had to go there. When suddenly, they're home, the Bible says. They're talking about all this wonderful, and suddenly they're, they're, they're at home. Beep, whoop, pulled over, got here. Uh, but how? Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, see, before they were strutting and merrily making it. Now all of a sudden he joins them and they say, oh my God, we're here. Why don't you come on in and join us, Jesus? Mom makes great tortillas. Uh, I know. That's one thing I was looking forward to. Yes, I, I didn't like what had happened, but, but them tortillas. Uh, wow. Uh, so they asked him to come in. And rest assured, Jesus will never turn away from a genuine serious heart. They were serious. They meant it. Come and be with us, Jesus. Uh, to these two spiritually hungry individuals, um, Jesus did not disappoint them. And when you're spiritually hungry, if you're here this morning, Jesus will never turn you away. If you're spiritually hungry, he will not disappoint you. He always shows up. He'll touch your life. He'll change your life. How many of us can attest to that? Ah, uh, yes. Revelation says... If anyone will open the door, I will enter in and sup with him and he with me. That's secured, guaranteed fellowship. Uh, if you knock and it shall be open. If any man knock, I will enter the, open up the door and you shall come in and we'll have fellowship one with another. Jesus never disappoints. Then the Bible says, then their eyes were opened and they knew him. Then he disappears. Then he vanishes. Uh, but then their eyes were open and they knew him. That's the key. See, Jesus left. He vanished. He disappears. Yes, yes, he does. But not until the most important issue had been settled and dealt with. Uh, his word always goes forth and does what it's going to do. Well, he did what he had to do. They knew him. Oh, they know me. Oop, time to go. Uh, now they know who I am. Uh, See, Jesus did not leave until these two men came to know him. Now, see, now the resurrection had become reality to these two men. Now he could go because now they believed. Now no more doubt. They came down the Emmaus Road in doubt, but they were going to leave with a shout. And this is like heaven to me. It's an old time religious song. I came here in doubt, but I left with a shout. And this is like heaven to me. Praise God. I should need worship. This is like heaven to me. This is like heaven to me. I crossed over Jordan to Canaan's fair line. Oh. See, I have some theology to my music. 
and this is like heaven. I used to be a drug addict, people, but one day I crossed over the Canaan's for life, and he changed my life. I've been to Emmaus, but I've been out of Emmaus. Ah, like a, like a blind bat getting to sight, hallelujah. See, the supreme knowledge in all of this planet, in all this earth, is the knowledge of knowing Jesus, period. You can know everything else or not know anything else. Uh, you can get a F minus in history or all that stuff. But if you know Jesus, you're going to heaven. I don't know about your teacher. Uh, but that's the supreme knowledge of this planet is to know God. See, I may not need to know a lot about botany to know that Josie likes roses. I'm not a botanist, but I know she likes roses. Uh, and I may not know a lot about mathematics to figure out that I love her. I may not need to fully understand biology to know that she loves me too. And I might not need to totally know a lot about chemistry, but our chemistry goes real good together. That I know. I don't have to know a lot about botany, chemistry, but I know she loves roses. And I know she loves me. I don't know a lot about chemistry, but we go together like birds of a feather. Hallelujah. Uh, we go together like a hand and a glove and a love and all that stuff. Lovey dove, glove, you know. Forget about Michael Jackson's glove, my lovey dove glove. Hallelujah. Uh, that's part of the supreme knowledge here. Hallelujah. See, the same principle applies spiritually and biblically. That you don't need to be a theological scholar to get to know Jesus. No. Uh, not at all. All you need to do is be honest and open regarding Jesus and his salvation. And the power of the resurrection will do the rest. Boom. It'll come in and drastically change our lives. It's really quite simple. Believe, then receive. That's it. Believe, then receive. See, my dry lips can be evidence of my thirst. But not until I taste and see will then my thirsty need be met. Ah. Uh, my dryness were evidence that I thirst. But not until I drink or taste and see that the Lord is good. So you got to taste and see that the Lord is good first. Uh, first and foremost. Very, very vital, very important. That's what happened to these two disciples, Cleopas and his companion, as they traveled down the Emmaus Road. Uh, and it can happen to you as well this morning. See, for a while, they were sad and disheartened for a little bit, but then the power of the resurrection set in, and they knew that it was Jesus. They allowed the power of the resurrection to come in and change your life and touch your lives. The power of the resurrection can make such a big, big difference. Christianity hinges on the resurrection. It does. Okay. If it's not of the resurrection, Paul says, I am of all men most miserable. Most miserable. Uh, 
That's why Easter is so vital and important. See, because these two now, now that they knew him, they totally forgot about their sorrow. Look at chapter 24 of Luke, verse 33. To me, this is such a key verse. Luke 24, verse 33. Key, key verse to me. Do you have it? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. To me, I believe this is the beginning of the early church right here. It was like a ball. It went as far as it could down to Emmaus. But then it turned right around and bounced right back at you, devil. See, because he rose, they rose. I like roses, hallelujah. Uh, because he rose, they rose. Why should I sit here? I got the power. I got the victor living in me. Mm. Immediately they left. Mom, I like your tortillas, but uh, I had one. That's enough. That'll keep me for a few, lifetime. Uh, see you when we get to heaven. Uh, I mean, I can already hear my grandmother in heaven. Some of you don't know that. Oh. Uh, gets you up thinking about butter. I mean, I, I know my grandma making them tortillas up in heaven. Uh, uh, manna, but not for manana, hallelujah. Today is a day. Uh, see, because Jesus rose, they rose. And they got up and began to witness and testify to everybody, to every and all individuals. Nothing doubting. Nothing doubting. The power of the resurrection erased all their sorrow, their sadness, their fears, and their doubts. That's what the power of the resurrection can and does do to an open heart. Because he rose, they rose. And really, the rest is history. I'm telling you, I believe that's where the early church started right here. You know what history means? His story. The rest is history. They went out, nothing doubting, into history. See, these guys rose and took off. Ah, that, that very hour, like a bat, no longer blind. These are, are the type of disciples that the book of Acts call, says turn the world upside down. These were the kind of disciples that did it. Why? Because they had witnessed the resurrection. They had tasted of the resurrection power of God. Uh, because they rose and went out, nothing doubting. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Absolutely and resolutely, nothing could stop them. Uh, they had witnessed the resurrected Jesus. Now turn to Matthew 27 and I'm going to close. Matthew 27. Verse 62. This is also talking about the first Easter. Matthew 27, verse 62. Do you have it? Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, which was Sunday they're talking about, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate. By the way, that's a miracle in itself. The Sadducees and the Pharisees hated each other. But because of Jesus, they came together. Ay, ay, ay. Saying, sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher or the tomb be made sure until the third day. Lest the disciples come by night and steal him away. And say to the people, he is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, ye have a watch. Go your way, make it sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulchral shirt, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Now turn to verse chapter 28, 
Chapter 28, verse 11. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch or the soldiers came into the city and showed to the chief priests all the things that were done. In other words, the resurrection had happened. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large sums of money to the soldiers saying, say this, his disciples came by night and stole away while we slept. That would never hold in court. How can you be a witness if you're asleep? Listen, and I preached about this last Easter. There's nothing. There's even, even Jewish scholars that, that don't believe in Jesus have already said, yeah, he, was, he, was the, he resurrected. They've even, they, they, all these people. Some guy has written a book, Who Rolled the Stone Away? This guy was an atheist. He wrote a book called Who Rolled Away the Stone? Uh, because he, he got saved. He got touched. You mess with the resurrection, you're going to mess with you. Let's go on. Uh, and if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this very day. Now, again, stranger bedfellows, the Sadducees and the Pharisees getting together, trying to refute the resurrection, trying to say, tell him he didn't rise. Tell him that, that while you guys were sleeping, the soldiers, these guys were the baddest army in the planet. And whenever they, they, especially if you're going to keep watch at night, those are the baddest dudes. Take my word for it. Those are the baddest dudes. They could stay up all night. Uh, I mean, if the disciples would have shown up, it would have been the five-second war. <laughs> uh, it would have been over. They were bad. They knew better than to go to sleep. Their life was dependent. If they were to go to sleep, they'd be dead. They didn't go to sleep. Well, they slept. We were asleep and they came and they took me. We, we, we dram it. Ah. Oh, gosh. Ah. See, they wanted to prove Jesus wrong, that he wasn't the son of God. But all the enemy, all the lies that the enemy tried to get in Jesus' way, they all failed. And all the lies that they put before these disciples failed as well. Why? Because they had seen the master. Uh, you can tell me anything you want, but I know that I know. I know. Who changed me? The devil. I know. I know we can take this world. Forget the city. Because that's the resolute faith these disciples had that first Easter. Nothing could get in their way. They went nothing doubting. My prayer this morning would be for us as well, my friend, to become disciples as these disciples and go take this world. Let Hayward be our pulpit, but the world is our sanctuary. We're called to the world. we got to understand that. Nothing doubting. Man, when I first got saved, they said, oh, he'll be bad. He'll, he'll cool down. Give them this tape. It gets gooder and gooder. I told you when I was sitting here looking at these people. Think I was talking out of the side of my neck. No, these are the kind of people that are going to allow us to take the world. Yes. Yes. That's the way these disciples were. Nothing could stop them. Try as they may. But they would not. They could not stop them. Which brings me to my title. Knock, knock, who's there, Emmaus? Well, I'm going to give you the answer. Knock, knock, who's there? Emmaus. Emmaus who? You may as well try and stop the wind. 
He may as well try and get in the way of the Mississippi. He may as well try and, and, and stop the sun. Because the disciple that has felt the power of the resurrection, nothing can stop him. He may as well get in the way of the Nile. You can't. He may as well try and kill me. Ah, can't get in the way of a resolute disciple that's tasted the power of the resurrection. Just ask Cleopas, his companion, Peter and John and Paul and Mary. Ask me or you once you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Uh, see, these disciples were hit with all kinds of lies regarding the resurrection of Jesus. But they went right through them like a kid in a candy store, like Selena in Mexico, uh, like Schwarzkopf in Iraq. Ain't nothing but a meatball. Uh, yeah, when you're touched by the power of God, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how, ain't nothing going to stop you. Listen, I'm getting older, age ain't got nothing to do with it. I, I don't feel my age. I feel eternal. How old are you? I'm eternal. Uh, how old is that? Uh, figure that one out. Knock, knock, who's there? Emmaus, Emmaus, who? Uh, you may as well get out of my way, devil, because we're coming through anyway. Hallelujah! Uh, now he not. He's not. Because he's going to find out who the real disciples are. Because he knows there's some wannabes. And he can stop them. They can stop you. Remember, how, how can he stop you from giving? Oh, they wanted their money. He got you. One little roadblock. And they wanted to get rich. Hi, hi, hi. Uh, all, they want, all that stuff. No, don't let anything get in your way. These disciples went to Emmaus, all messed up, beat up in their minds. Uh, but I, Jesus didn't even give them time for a tortilla. They said that very hour, because he rose, they rose. I love my family, and I love to go back to my city, but I don't do it that often. Because 27 years ago in some months, but I, got, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, I got touched by the power of God. Uh, and God has been faithful to me. A lot of them have been able to win them to the Lord. Uh, but I, I, I had to get out of Emmaus. My Emmaus was Santa Paul. I had to get out. And I love that city. But I had to get out. Because I had to be about my father's business. And you're a part of that business. That's why we're here. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. may as well just get out of our way because I'm going to go through. I'm going to go back that Emmaus road right into history, right into victory. They rode out of Emmaus and into history from victory to victory. Great disciples. These were the type of disciples that helped turn the world upside down. Cleopas and an unnamed individual. But God knows his name. God knows your name and hell knows his name and hell knows your name this Easter I could have given you a big theological and I had all kinds of sermons I was putting together I told my wife last night I, I picked a simple one 
simple one. But I know the devil's going to be mad at it. I used to say many years ago, people say I caught a cold. Well, I caught a hot and I don't want to get well. Don't even pray for me. These two disciples caught a hot. They went right back into Jerusalem. Right back. Where the enemy was brewing hot. But they didn't care. They went right back into the fire. And helped turn the world right side up. And upside down. What are you going to do with your life? I pray this Easter morning you've been challenged. To leave a legacy. To be a part of a church that and a ministry that believes in reaching the world. I said earlier, Hayward's just our pulpit. The world is our sanctuary. That's the church you belong to. I want to pray for those of you that say, I want to be like those two disciples. If that's you, is every head is bowed and every head closed, I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet right there where you're at. Come on, you pray for me. I want to be like those two disciples. I want to be like those two disciples. Yes, I came in here in doubt. I might have come in here sad. But I'm going to leave out here joyous and victorious. All you got to do is open your heart a little crack. Just a little crack. And he'll come in. And sup with you and you with him. Fellowship with you and you with him. Anybody else is my last call. You want to culminate this Easter service. We only have one here this morning. In prayer, you want me to pray for you. You want to open your heart to God. You want to leave here nothing doubting. Came here in doubt, but I left with a shout. This service has been like heaven to me. As every service should be. Anybody else is my last call. You want to be included in this prayer. You haven't stood up yet, but you want to do so now. Quickly stand your feet right there. We are. We're going to pray. Anybody else? everybody has their heads bowed, I'm going to pray for those of you that are standing. Today maybe the altar will go to you. You don't have to come to the altar. Those of you standing say, Jesus, I want to be resolute in heart. Steadfast. Unshakable. Unmovable. Except only for you. That I would move only at your orders, only at your word. And I would go forward for your honor and glory. I want to believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Help my doubts. Allow me to keep my faith level way above my fear level. Let me walk in faith, believing and trusting in you, the one that has changed my life as nobody else could do. You did it for me. Now I want to do for you all that I can. Not my will, but your will be done. I place my life totally in your hands. Use me. Use me for your honor for your glory that I might decrease that you would increase 
Father, now I pray. Pastoral prayer for these that are standing. Lord, you gave me this message. An Easter evangelistic sermon. That it would not be a selfish Easter. It would be an evangelistic Easter. But yet, I know your blessings will be there. Use this church like never before. Let us go into evangelism, Lord God. <laughs> Beginning in this Easter. Let this be our Emmaus this Easter morning for Victor Outreach Hayward. We came in doubts and we came in fears and anxieties and <clears throat> a bit saddened. But because of your resurrection, we want to be resolute, steadfast, unmovable, going out to the highways and the byways, compelling them, raise up this church as it once was. Very, very, very evangelistic. Very evangelistic. Let us be like Cleopas and his companion. Let us go out in twos and threes and raise up this church as you've made it to be. Willing to take for the gospel's sake. And willing to take others with us when we go home. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's all stand and sing. Altar the same. Raise your hands and sing it to him, church. Jesus, I need my life to be changed. All that I am, I surrender to you. Don't let me leave this altar the same. Sing it again. Don't let me leave this altar the same. Jesus, I need my life to be changed. All that I am, I surrender to you. Don't let me leave this altar the same.